Hey folks, welcome to episode 52 of the Becoming Human podcast. Some of you wonder why what this podcast is about. Well, I have a confession to make. I'm actually a demon who has crawled from the depths of hell to interview people to understand their desires, hopes, and folly. Wait, you don't know what folly means? Picture people with flowers in their hair and smiling for no apparent reason while they're hopping through a field that hasn't been cut ever. That's folly. Back to business. Eventually, I will use this information to enslave the human race so that they can join my goat-petting fuck cult. That is right. We will furiously pet goats every day and use the friction generated from that love to squash all life forms on the earth. And then there will only be goats and people that pet them. <laughs> Sinister, I know. To speed up the process of brainwashing the youth, please... Use our Amazon affiliate link and buy the most expensive technology that you can so that I can use it to melt your mind and turn you into mine. I've included his upcoming shows in the show notes, so go check it out. Brady works at a drug treatment center. Given that he grew up in a sheltered uh, family, I found it interesting to hear his perspective in uh, um, communities of people who are on drugs or coming off drugs, especially relative to my own experience where I essentially grew up in a drug treatment center where everyone around me was doing drugs. Brady's a really kind, funny guy, so I know you guys will enjoy this episode. I'll play you with the, in with a little bit of music by The Living Arrows. Yeah. 
polish off one of those in two hours. Damn. Yeah, I would. I was like an excavator. <laughs> like man. the family what? size box. Yeah, it was the family <laughs> size. My mom uh, would go to Costco because she was tired of me just eating them immediately. Yeah. And not having snacks for so school. So the Costco like party size. <laughs> yes. And so I ate all the Costco party size in one sitting. And yeah, we're just fucked. Nice. Yeah. 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 I'm. Uh, I would say I'm nutri- nutritionally challenged. Um, yeah, I don't eat well at all. <laughs> a lot of my jokes are about that. Actually. Oh really? But, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. One of my recent one, I was uh, grocery shopping for uh, macaroni, and it uh, turned into a joke because I think you might have heard that one last mm-hmm. time I told it way yeah. north. But that kid was like blown away by my. Can you do that? Yeah, you can do this. You can get all the macaroni. <laughs> yeah. <you can> get... <laughs> oh, that's funny. <coughs> And um, do you ever, like, with with eating, or do you do it just because you like to enjoy eating or so? Yeah. Um, I would say that, uh, yeah, I, I do eat anything and everything. And, and a lot of it, um, I wouldn't say, like, I go for, like, uh, a lot of, like, you know, crackers and, and like, snacky-type food. But, the, like, the real, like, saucy, Ooh. like, heavy cream, like, yeah. red meat. Shit, I'm, I, I get too far into. How about creme brulee? Yeah, no, oh. I can do creme brulee. Oh, I should have made you some. <laughs> it's so bad because like, it takes what, like six hours to make or yeah. so because you got to chill it, right? I've never homemade creme brulee before. It's fun. It's really easy. All yeah. it is is just heavy cream and eggs. Okay, if and I then you do that, the blowtorch on top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I even got a blowtorch up there like a crackhead and everything. Right. <laughs> I hide it from people. Rad. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Dude, that's cool. <laughs> it's the only like drawback with it is six hours, mm-hmm. and you're looking at a whole quart of heavy cream mm-hmm. and a whole thing like a dozen eggs mm-hmm. for four that's dishes. That's my jam. Exactly. <laughs> I'll eat it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go to a uh, like some football game. Yeah. And where it was a potluck, so I was gonna bring creme brulee. Right. Yeah. I made twelve. Yeah. Shitload of eggs. Made it all super stoked. I'm yeah. looking at it. Kind of got high. I ate it yeah. all. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> and I didn't have anything to bring there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing for the get-together afterwards? Nope. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> um, yeah, my wife and I, we made... It was like... Luckily, it was like veggie pasta. It was like green mm-hmm. noodles or whatever, Ooh. which is the only redeeming factor. But uh, then we had like this like garlic Alfredo sauce. We made this last night. Uh, and then we had like kale and like sausage cut up in it. But then we added like... And like a shit ton of garlic. Mm. But then um, to, to, to make the kale not taste like vegetable, we <laughs> added like a, like a whole stick of butter. Yeah, and, and all that garlic, and so it wasn't healthy anymore. <laughs> it slid down quick, though. Yeah, yeah. Those veggie noodles were like so light, and they didn't fill you up like normal noodles. And I was like, I can do like twice as much, and then it was way worse for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, the light things don't work for me because I've bought in like uh, what was it, two salmon fillets. Mm-hmm. I'll have you know both of these throughout the week. Yeah, I ate both of them. Right away, because they were so light, it yeah. just didn't feel like anything yeah. was in there. Yeah, and then you go for twice as much, and then you're like, oh yeah, this is this is light, this is healthy. I'll have this for a couple of days, and then you eat it all in one sitting. You're like, ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Start over again. Yep. My favorite thing was Reese's. I haven't had those oh. in so long. Luckily, when I stopped eating like oh, like really sugary things yeah. like candy, yeah, I saw that video where there was maggots in the Reese's. Oh so, shit! I yeah. didn't see that video. Someone like opened it up and maggots. I'm like hmm. Yeah, dude, when I was a little kid, I was, like, obsessed with... I say Reese's. I don't mm-hmm. know if Reese's or Reese's is correct. Oh, shit, really? I used to say, I, I mean, I've always said Reese's. Reese's? I think Reese's is, like, the Canadian way to say it or something <laughs> like that. 
I'm not sure. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it might like poutine. Yeah, I was like obsessed with uh, Reese's when I was a little kid. But when I was a little kid, I had a lisp. And so I'd always say like, Reese's. Like, can we go get Reese's? And my dad was like, only if you say it right. And I was like, oh, so I got like candy shamed by my dad. Like, <laughs> you have to say it right. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I didn't eat them for like 10 years, I think, because I was embarrassed. And oh. then, but I recently, like, because of uh, Thanksgiving or something, I don't know, it was like a couple months ago, some holiday, someone got me this like huge thing of Reese's. And then someone else got me like the Easter eggs that are like the Reese's eggs, and I go way into them again. So, <laughs> yeah, I've been eating a shit ton of Reese's recently. Yes. <laughs> or Reese's. Yeah, Reese's. <laughs> Well, yeah, I had a bad lisp when I was a kid. I always went, ambulance. Or not a lisp, but I just not <laughs> pronounce weird it. pronunciation. Yeah. yeah. Damn. But, what made you want to get into comedy? Um, I, didn't, I don't know. I grew up, like, super sheltered, actually. Everyone has these, like, really? stories about, like, oh, when I was a kid, I saw, like, comedians, and I always wanted to be it since I was a kid. And I grew up, like, super sheltered. And so... I didn't have, like, any aspirations. Like, after high school, I had no idea what I wanted. Like, zero idea. And then, like, school ended, and I was like, fuck, like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And so, uh, like, weird, long story we can get into if you want. Yeah. But, but then, um, then, like, so basically, I went to Bible college after, to become a pastor. What? Yeah, after you, high school. Was that because your family pressured you, or you want to do that? I'm not criticizing. Kind of both, kind of both. Um, I mean, at the time, so I, yeah. I was like raised like super, super conservative, super religious, um, and then yeah, I kind of never made like a plan for my life because I figured like, oh, after high school, God will take care of me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then like it kind of got to like the second half of like senior year, and people were like, oh, I'm going to like college for this, and I'm going to be like an architect, or I'm going to like, and I was like. Oh, I haven't been like ta- really taking school seriously, and like I don't know what I want to do. And then so it was like kind of like the tail end of senior year, and my mom was like, "Oh, hey, there's like this." Uh, my mom's super religious, and she's like, "There's this like Bible thing up in Canada." across the border and you can like go explore different bible colleges which are easier to get into than real colleges oh, really? and uh like mission trips and all this mm-hmm. stuff and i was like yeah so i didn't have any other plans so i went up with her and we were just kind of like wandering through all the booths and nothing was really like striking my fancy and then this this guy jumped out that like was a recruiter for one of the bible colleges up in canada and he was like hey man I like your shorts because I was wearing these plaid shorts and I was like, thanks. And he's like, you want to go to Bible college? And I was like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that was pretty much it. So I went to Bible college and someone, one of the students at Bible college turned me on to, I don't even remember who it was. I think it might've been like Brian Regan or something like that. And I was like, this is so cool. And then like halfway through my first year of Bible college, I was like, I can't really like tell dick jokes <laughs> as a pastor. Like you're not supposed. To, I mean, you could, but yeah. no one's gonna go to your church. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just kind of like dropped out and. In Bible college, yeah. um, how was the culture there? Like the kids your age, were you able to relate with them or? <laughs> uh, I was. I was kind of the uh, uh, devil's advocate <laughs> in a lot of situations. Um, me. So there's me, and then my two like best buddies at. Um, Bible college, one was named Ian and one was named Cole. And Cole was the guy who came up with the bad ideas. And Ian was the one who funded the bad ideas because he had a little bit more money. And I was the one who executed the bad ideas. <laughs> and uh, for the most part, sometimes Cole did it too. But um, basically, me and Ian got pulled into the dean of men. There was a dean of men at the Bible college. And his name was Sean. Cool. And we got pulled into Sean's office. And he was like, okay, like, Cole is obviously a bad influence on you too. Like, you, you can't hang out with Cole anymore. 
anymore. We're going to separate you. But I went to this tiny, tiny Bible college up in like middle of nowhere, Canada that oh, had wow. like 30 students total. <laughs> oh my God. And then like 10 faculty. Like that was it. What? Yeah. Like out in the middle of nowhere. It was creepy. One to three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so um, we're like, we're not going to not hang out with Cole. But so we came up with like an extra, like an addition to the Bible. It was the book of Sean. And first Sean 1 1 was thou shalt not hang out with Cole. So, <laughs> so we did that. But uh, yeah, I did. I was, uh, I was super into Jackass at the time. Oh, I love uh, Jackass. Yeah, secretly watch it on my computer. So mm-hmm. we did a lot of sh- stunts and shit at Bible college. But <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Tell me about one of your stunts. <laughs> um, I actually just edited a picture here recently, but uh, which I can't show you on here. But so we did. I'll, uh, show I'll, I'll show you a picture for to get your your shock value. But basically, I don't know if you know this, but if you take um, here it is. If you take powdered coffee creamer and you pour it. So it's so it's airborne and it's falling, mm-hmm. and you pour it onto an open flame. It'll it'll go just boom like Ooh. fireball. Like it's very combustive. That's so cool. like one of my <laughs> this is a great picture. Uh, one of my buddies was like, oh, so like little handful, little pile, and a you know just like a bic lighter, and pours it from a foot up and just woof huge thing. And I was like, oh cool, let's get as much as we can. So we stole like a whole container of, <laughs> oh, of like no. a big like supposed to last you like three months worth of like powdered coffee creamer from like the the cafeteria and we duct taped it to the end of a hockey stick <laughs> and then he climbed up on the basketball like on the basketball hoop so he's up there and i'm down below with another hockey stick because those are plentiful because it was canada <laughs> and it's also on like the end of my hockey sticks on fire and then i pulled this ski mask over my face <laughs> Yeah, so so I wouldn't burn my face at least, and then he poured it, and it was way more uh, combustive than I thought it would be. That's like a four picture montage. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it literally blinded all of us in the room. Like in that third picture, you can't see, man, whited out in flame, and then the last picture, I'm like falling over. <laughs> yeah, I blew the shit up out of our gymnasium in Bible college. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so that was a good time. <laughs> Were there any burn marks? Um, no, okay, <laughs> not from that. I did like oh, minor. What? Yeah, I did another another fire stunt in uh, Bible college. So, um, I did all these these weird, crazy stunts, and it was like the person who should have been kicked out of Bible college, but I was actually the only. I was one of two students in my class who graduated. What? Yeah, and I was the only guy who graduated in my class from Bible college, and then the other one was a girl, and we were the only two because everyone else like fucked off and like took my studies real seriously, oh, and wow. also my stunts real seriously. But um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Other fire stunt was me and Cole and Ian one time we were hanging out in um Cole's room, and we we're like we we're just cruising YouTube, and one thing leads to another, and we ended up in like fireworks and fire videos and you know that whole thing, and um. One of them, like, we we found this video of, you know those, they're called, like, ground blooms. They're little, like, road flares, basically. And it's, like, a stick, and then you light the fuse, and then it, like, goes, and then when it ignites, it shoots fire out of one side, so it causes it to spin, so oh, it makes yeah. a little, like, like, ball of fire on yeah, the ground. pretty. Yeah, yeah. So, if you hold them still, though, and then, like, light it, it just makes a little, it's like a little road flare. It's, like, two inches, and it's, like, okay. So if you keep it stationary, you, like, put it in your mouth, and it shoots out past your nose, or you, like, hold them in your hands or between your toes or whatever. So, yeah, (laughs) that's, like, a whole thing on YouTube. There's, like, a whole category. So we're watching a bunch of those, and we're, like, 
that's really cool. And I was like, we should get some of those. And Cole was like, I have some of those right here next to my computer. And I was like, someone should put one in their butt. <laughs> and my friends were like, what? And I was like, I will put one in my butt. Because <laughs> you're supposed to lead by example or whatever. Yes, so role model. Yeah, so we, <laughs> we go downstairs into the gym again <laughs> to cause more damage. <laughs> and so we go down to the gym. And uh, I put one in my butt. And I light it. And, and, like, the other two were, like, filming me and taking pictures and stuff because I was, like, the Bible college celebrity because oh, it was real dumb. We didn't have, any, we didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. So I light one, and the fuse goes, like, shh, and then nothing happens, which I'm not super religious, but that was probably God being, like, don't. But I don't listen very well. So I took another one, and I put it in my butt, and I was about to light it, and right then the RN, like, the, the or not, R.A., resident advisor, yeah, R.A. <laughs> He's like, so he was the gymnasium, and then the dorms were like up above the gymnasium with these windows looking down. Oh, no. And so he's just like walking to his room, and he looks down through the window and sees me <laughs> with something in my butt <laughs> in the gym. And he was like, starts pounding on the window, like, stop, what are you doing? And I look at him, and I like make eye contact, and I light the lighter. And he's like, no! And he starts like running down the stairs. And while he's coming down the stairs, I light the fuse, and the second one goes, shh. And it's supposed to shoot out of my butt. And we're going to like take pictures, and I'm going to be like, oh, I ate too much salsa or whatever, with fire shooting out my ass. But it shot into my butt cheek. And so then I just took off, like, my, like, brain was like, run! <laughs> and so I started running as fast as I could across the gymnasium, and it's still in there, still burning me. And I get across the gym, and I finally, like, flick it out with, like, one second of burn time left after it's been in there for, like, 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, my God! And I'm, like, panicking, and I'm, like, bent over. I'm like, oh, my God! And, one, and so I'm, now I'm, like, across the gym, and the other guy, like, zooms in with the video camera, and he's laughing. He's like, ha, 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 oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. He's like, you're bleeding and it's blackened. And so, yeah, I still have like one one of my butt cheeks is all like kind of fucked up. <laughs> you, it's deformed. Yeah, it's deformed. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't, you usually can't see it through with the ass hair. But um, <laughs> one of them's all fucked up. And then the word got out and all the girls at Bible college started calling me Sparky. And, uh, yeah, that happened. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> also, it was up in Canada, and I forgot about this. I didn't have, um, like, Canadian health insurance, so I couldn't go to the doctor, even though I had, like, third-degree burns on, like, this big of a part of my ass. <laughs> and so I had to, like, go into my dorm room and, like, shut the door, like, kick everyone out, shut the door, and then I would just, like, bite onto like my bunk bed frame and then take like an alcohol swab and just swab my ass like a couple times a day and just be like oh. and all the guys would like stand outside the door and just like listen and like oh, oh he's doing it again but then if I like I would sit in class and then it would like because burns like weep so it would like weep and I'd go through like my jeans and then I'd get like stuck to the Your chair yeah my asshole's weeping it was it was a really rough time in my life yes, it would be <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was the the gist of my Bible college experience. <laughs> At least you only got touched in the ass in that way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. So that one made you want to be a comedian? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess. I was like, man, those are great stories, and I can't tell those stories as a pastor, so I guess I'll quit and be a comedian instead, but... uh yeah, it's been kind of a weird long journey to get here, but I made it and starting to do it. So <laughs> yeah, I think starting it's the biggest part, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. It took me forever to 
to get started because I um I, don't know, I do good in like settings like small settings like this mm-hmm. and also <laughs> and this sounds like a dick but where I can just talk about myself mm-hmm. but I don't do good with like one on one like social interaction where we have to like go back and forth oh. which is why I'm totally dominating the conversation right now yeah, you're fine. but <laughs> I'm actually like super like socially awkward uh-huh. so it took me and I'm like introverted too so it took me um like I wanted to do stand up for like 5 years probably before I ever actually got on stage just uh-huh. cuz I was like so nervous um well, that that's really helpful because <laughs> that's how I am. Where yeah, really? Yeah, and it, you know, when I when I go up there, it's like I have a lot of anxiety going up to do this. Yeah. And then sometimes where I talk to someone like Chris Anderson, mm-hmm. where it's not like that for her, because you know, just different kind of experience for her, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh wait, should it be easy for me? Am I should I be doing this? However, I have so much fucking fun. Like I obsess yeah, over it. I, exactly. You know. Yeah. And I like I obsess over it and I geek out about it and um. I like can't stop thinking about it, mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, I'll, I have a lot of fun doing it, so I'll keep doing it, even if it's not. Now it comes more naturally to me than it did at first, but at mm-hmm. first I would get so freaked out about it. Like, mm-hmm. I when I first did very first time doing stand up, um, <clears throat> I got into it because I wanted to for like five years or whatever, um, and didn't know anyone who did it. Didn't, and I was like just kind of going to work and coming home, and that was like my thing. I didn't really have like social outlets much um so i didn't know anyone who did it and i was walking downtown bellingham one time and i saw a poster for they do a monthly stand-up show at the upfront theater which is mostly an improv theater and it's run by ryan styles who does uh, whose line is it and or did whose line is it oh, really? anyway yeah so he he lives up in bellingham he owns a probably like a hundred seat improv theater but once a month they do a stand-up night and so i saw this poster and it said you know shoot us an email if you're interested i was like yeah so i shot him an email because that's a very passive way to get into mm-hmm. it and uh they were like yeah well you know you can be on the next like a month from now um show and you know come with like five minutes or whatever so i had a month to like sit down and be like okay these are the five minutes i want to prepare but then I was so nervous the first time doing it. I like left my house. I walked down my apartment's stairs. I got to the car and I threw up from nerves in the bushes. Oh. Just like, <laughs> and then I got in my car and I sat there a minute and I got back out and I threw up a second time in the bushes. <laughs> I got back in my car and I drove to the, it's like two miles from my house. And I got to the upfront theater and I got out and I threw up a third time. <laughs> Yeah, I was so nervous, and then I went inside, and I physically ran into Ryan Stiles, and he's like 11 feet tall, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, are you doing comedy? And I was like, yeah, I'm like wiping vomit off my mouth. <laughs> don't smell it. Yeah, and he's like, have a good show, and then, I, I don't know, it was my first time, so it went fine, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, from then on, I was just like hooked, like it was just that initial time I had to get over the nerves and just do it once. And then once I did it, I'm like, yep, not going to stop that. That was awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is, and is, have, is anything else clicked with you like that before that? No. I mean, I've never been into sports or video games or, I mean, I've dabbled in sports and video games and skateboarding and whatever, but I've never like been invested enough to get good at anything. Like I like skateboarded for a couple months and I like learned how to like, ollie and like you know kind of half a kickflip and then like i like ate it like once and i like skinned my knee or whatever and i was like i'm never doing this again but like i don't know i've eaten it doing comedy and like fucked up but 
it's like something that I want to be good at. So I'm like, yeah, I'll come back and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so. I've, I've experienced that myself with like a lot of things where I would write all the time. Yeah. And I just, I just do that for fun. Yeah. Didn't think about it. But yeah. I'd be pursuing all this other shit. Yeah. And um, I would go in the hospital industry. You know, that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. And then minting industry. Nope. Mm-hmm. Restaurant industry, still no. Yeah. And all these things aren't working, and now I'm even in, like, sales and marketing. I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, I need to do that for, like, three hours a day. But other yeah. than that, I, I can't. Like, it's ex- it's excruciating. It's hard to describe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, to... I, I totally feel that. I did uh, my first job and my first several jobs were just, like, retail stuff, and I couldn't bring myself to care. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just excruciating like you said it's like they're either gonna buy the shit or they're not gonna buy the shit like it doesn't matter if i'm here or not so i couldn't like care and then i did sales for a little while and that was like i said i'm an introvert and when you're an introvert having to talk to people all the time and then like on a like the i said on the one-on-one kind of they say something you say something they say something you say something like Mm -hmm. that and you're trying to sell them on something that you don't care about that was the worst for me i had panic attacks doing that yeah and i would like i like hyperventilate and like cry in my car and like yeah it was bad but then i like took all the shit that i learned from like sales and then like just applied it to comedy and like i can sell myself that's all comedy is is just selling yourself so i feel like that was beneficial in the long run (laughs) I, i think doing you know my whole motto is if you're, you know, if you're uncertain, things aren't working out for you, just do something that you haven't done. Mm-hmm. You just do it differently. Yeah. And yeah. You, all you, at the very least, if it doesn't work out, then it's just another learning process along the way. Because with that anxiety thing, I, um, yeah. doing sales, right? Yeah. You have to confront people. I worked at Safe Light Auto Glass. I drove in a fucking creeper van. <laughs> and I had windows in the back. Yeah. I'd just knock on someone's front door and be like, and they would see a picture on their phone before I got there. Okay. And i knock on their front door and meet them for the first time, say, hi, I'm going to work on your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And then work on it for an hour and tell them bye. Mm-hmm. That was really hard for me. Yeah, and, yeah. But doing that, it it taught me about you know self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned a lot about different styles of personality because mm-hmm. I wasn't in such an insulated bubble. Exactly, yeah. And, I actually did... Um, and I think I was driving here to your place, and I was like, I think I – so I did this job. I did a couple sales jobs, but one of them was – I'll backtrack here in a second to the mm-hmm. previous one, which is hilarious. But uh, this one I did uh, door-to-door sales for a lawn care company, and I didn't care about lawn care. And I was doing door-to-door sales in – this was like 2015 maybe, and so like no one does – door-to-door sales in this day and age like it's just like not done anymore and so like you like you're walking through a neighborhood and everyone's like giving you the eye like what was he in our neighborhood for he's like casing the joint and like you knock on people's doors and no one answers and like so that was just a a horrible job for me but we did like so i live up in bellingham but we came down to this area and like anacortis and stuff and just driving all over but just knocking on people's doors and talking to a hundred people a day and then making like two like hundred dollar sales or whatever wow. it was just like heartbreaking yeah. like and i only did it for like a month and then i got fired because <laughs> oh, i wasn't making quota and i was like yeah that's fine i didn't i don't want to do this yeah, exactly <laughs> fuck your job yeah it's it like was, halloween yeah. every it day awful <laughs> it's like halloween every day <laughs> yeah it was a mess um the sales job i did before that i'd Oh, I can't believe the jobs I had. Um, I did this for like two years. I did phone sales for a Bible software company. What? Yeah, which my like Bible college helped me get. Mm-hmm. But 
So I went from like retail to that, and I'd never done sales before. And you're just calling like pastors, and you're like, "Hey, you want to buy what we specialize in my department? What we specialized in was this like church presentation software. It was like PowerPoint for churches to run their like teaching points Uh-oh. and like uh, worship songs, like lyrics and that kind of stuff. You put it up mm-hmm. there, but it's just not really my thing. Mm-hmm. So again, hard to hard to sound jazzed about it. People are like, oh, what's like, what, how why should I buy it? And I'm like, I don't care. Just buy it or don't. Yeah. Like, this, this one pastor called this one time and he was like, hey, um, he's like, I want like a really good deal. Can you get me a good deal? And so we had like the presentation software and then this like media package. And if you bought them at the same time, you could get like 20% off or whatever it was. And it was also, it was like a holiday. So it was another like 10% off. And so like I worked the system in his advantage and I was like I can like bundle this and do this and do this and you get like 30% off and he's like oh is that dishonest and I was like no it's within the parameters of our system to get you the best deal possible like whatever super salesy (laughs) and he was like that seems dishonest I think you're cheating like your company and I was like you asked for a good deal man do you want it or not and he's like no you're like you're like a thief and like a liar and a sinner and I was like you don't want the deal? And he was like, I'm a pastor. I know deceit Like when I hear it. And I was like, I'm not being deceitful. And he's like, goodbye. He hung up. And I was like, is he a weirdo? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. That reminds me of when I worked in a long-term acute care in North Idaho. Yeah. There was a doctor. Mm-hmm. And he would listen to Alex Jones in his <laughs> office. Yeah. He got in trouble one day because it was so loud. It was coming out into the hallways. Yeah. And I'm in the cafeteria. I'm a dietary assistant. So yeah. I'm setting up like trays and shit. And I was talking to him and he's like, ah, the government keeps having me kill these people. What? <laughs> like, what? He's <laughs> um, like, yeah, the medication just kills them. Oh. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, vaccines. They, the devil infiltrated right, the yeah. government, and right, yeah. they poisoned the vaccine so that all the babies will become will die. Yeah. I'm like, well, why haven't they died? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Satan's slow. And I'm like, <laughs> he takes his time to make the kill. <laughs> like, oh, God. You know that song, Highway to Hell? Yeah. Where he's like, yeah, that's the devil's anthem. <laughs> oh, there's there's cooler devil worship songs than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, fuck. Have you ever heard of Scandinavian yeah. death metal? Yeah, like, black metal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he'd fight because he's the uh, head doctor for the whole place. Yeah. So he oversees all the patients. Yeah. And he would fight with one of the doctors that works under him. This doctor, the one he would fight with, mm-hmm. was like 80 years old, bag yeah. of bones. Yeah. And bag of bones. He'd be like, well. He'd argue with them back and forth, like, yeah. "No, the government's not trying to kill us," and you just hear them yelling. Oh my in the god. fucking cafeteria! Oh god, he got fired like a month and a half. He got later. fired. Obviously, he got fired. It's <laughs> yep. crazy as fuck, dude. We speaking of crazy people. So when I worked at the Bible software place, we had this deal. Went or we had this deal where like you you know you sign up for an account or whatever. So it's your name and your birthday or whatever. And then when your birthday rolled around, it would send you an automated email. The week of, hey, it's your birthday. You get ten percent off of whatever item you want. And we also, so I specialized in the presentation software, but the company as a whole also had like books and devotionals and whatever, but like digitized that you could buy. And so, like a 
crap ton of stuff in their library. And uh, so that was like what the offer was catered towards. And so this dude, this random guy, customer, got this automated email that says, you get 10% off of whatever you want in the library. And he goes, cool. And so he goes looking through online, and then he calls someone up in the sales department, which was not my department, but the other department. And he calls them up, and he's like, hey, I want to buy this with my 10% off. And they're like, cool. And they sold it to him, and then there was a glitch, and it only gave him 5% off, which doesn't seem like a huge idea, but he flipped shit. And he calls back, and he's like, you didn't give – like, flipped his shit. You didn't give me, like, this additional 5% off. Like, I I know you guys are working with terrorists, and you're funding (laughs) al-Qaeda. And, like, apparently that was where the extra 5% was going, was towards al-Qaeda. And he's like, so he started, like, accusing it. Yeah, and then posting on, like, our forums and on the website and, like, on, like, reviews and shit. Like, they fund al-Qaeda, and they blow shit up, and they're actually anti-God, even though they say they're pro-God. And then he started calling, like, the sales line and harassing them, and they, like, basically were like, nope, and had nothing to do with him. So then he started calling the sales line asking for, like, the vice president's assistant or something she was like this lady and she was the assistant she's way up the ladder and so he starts calling her say her name's deborah i don't know what it is but he starts leaving she stops answering her phone because this psycho's calling her every 10 minutes so she stops answering the phone he starts leaving these voicemails like hey deborah call me back why aren't you calling me back you corporate whore <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, I'm, I'm not saying you're a whore in the sexual sense of the word. I know that's what you're thinking, Deborah, because your mind's in the gutter. I'm saying you're a corporate whore because you sold your soul to a company that works for ISIS. But anyways, also you probably are an actual literal whore and you're locked in the, the company's sex dungeon. He said that. What? Yeah, locked in the company's sex dungeon, which I'm pretty sure we didn't have that. We had a lot of cool perks, but not a sex dungeon. And, and then so he like goes off on this thing and she was like, what the hell? So then she talks to like the uh, like the president and the vice president of the company who were like related and they're like two dudes and they're in their like 40s or 50s. And she's like, this guy keeps harassing me. So then they told him like cease and desist, do not contact our company. And then he started spreading rumors that the two brothers who own the company were sending him pornographic images via email of themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, he, and then, like, then we look, I don't remember what his name was, but we looked him up online, and it turns out he does this kind of shit with companies all over the place. I really wish I remembered his name, because, like, you can just go online and Google his name, and he's just ranting all over about, like, every company ever, like, Target dropped my bananas, they're servants of Satan, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> it was probably the best story I acquired while working there. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> It'd be awesome to just go and shitpost on a bunch of companies. No, that's apparently his pastime is what he does. <laughs> oh, my God. Probably professionally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shit, I'd pay him for it a little yeah. bit. <laughs> uh, you mentioned um, Alex Jones earlier, mm-hmm. and that reminded me. At my current job, I was doing uh, basically appointment reminder calls and so i'm calling this whole list of people reminding them of stuff that's coming up in the future and uh i made this (laughs) this call 
And then between calls, I like pulled up like on Facebook and I was scrolling through, you know how like they have the video feed and it's Mm -hmm. just video after video after video and they're not necessarily related to each other. So I watched like a skateboarding video or whatever and then I paused it and then I made a phone call and it's ringing and it's ringing and right when the person picks up, my phone just started auto playing Alex Jones. (laughs) So they picked up and they're like, hello? And my phone's like, repent, repent. He's like banging the table and I'm like, oh my God, trying to like shut it off. I'm so sorry. And they're like, who is this? (laughs) All right. I'm coming to help you redeem you of your sins. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Sorry. (laughs) And so from you going to that first open mic, you just started attacking a bunch of open mics from there? Yeah. um, Yeah. And at first it was just, well, so I went to that first one and then that's only a once a month show. Mm -hmm. So I think I did, I think I did one and then a month later i was like yeah this is awesome and i did another one and then i signed up for the third one and then right then i like lost my job at the uh phone sales company and my like department like folded basically and it was but it was like unexpected to the department like everyone like lost their job and Uh i was like shit and that was like my first like adult job where like I go to an office and I feel like I'm doing fine <laughs> and and then it like just disappeared and I was like shit and then I so I went from that to the uh, door-to-door sales job for like a month and I was just having like panic attacks at work mm-hmm. and I like obviously wasn't doing stand-up because then I was like working evenings um, and then I got fired from that <laughs> like a month later and then I found my current job which I've been doing for a few years now and it wow. gave me that stability to pursue stuff in the evenings again and so that was important to you is to have something that was like a consistent schedule so that you can plan around it yeah um yeah kind of like part of my upbringing was my dad was always losing jobs and always Mm -hmm. um i mean he'd have a job for a few years and then he'd say like something happened and he'd lose it and it was always like and he and he struggled with and, and my whole family struggles with like just uh like manic depressive like stuff and so he um would lose a job and he'd go into the bedroom for like a couple of months and like close the blinds and all the stuff and like then he'd get another job and he worked that for a couple of years and he'd lose that and he'd go into the bedroom for a couple of months and so it's always been important to me to have my own stability Mm -hmm. even though like my parents couldn't provide that when I went out on my own, I was like, I gotta like have stability in did, my own life. So did they try to like pound that into you as like you should do something different than what we're doing, or is that just something you've naturally picked up on your it's own? It's something I just kind of naturally picked up. Um, like my parents did the best they could, but like like I said, I got to the end of high school and I had no plan because I feel like there was no guidance or direction, and there was no. They never said like go to college and get a good job. It was just like go to the high school and then, you know, do your best. And then never like checked in on my grades or anything like that. Oh, wow. So I'd kind of like dick around in high school and I did like <laughs> fine, but I didn't do great. And then it was like, in high school, like, Oh shit, now what? And they didn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, proud. <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of like basically cut ties and moved out on my own. Um, which is why like stability and in, in mm-hmm. my job, I guess, is important to me. But <laughs> I can understand that my family, most of them are like tweakers, or yeah. And so, not with my mom. She like did all that shit and was able to walk away from it. Yeah. And has done it. And like had per- she had periods of her life to where she'd do it and wouldn't. However, everyone around her mm-hmm. was like serious 
entire life addicts, just mm-hmm. from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I, further from that, like I have a brother and sister, they're caught up in that similar thing and they're kind of trying to get out of it, mm-hmm. but not, I've never been really into that. Yeah. I've done, I've overdosed and did like some other stuff, yeah. you know, but I, I've never had like an addiction issue. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that's important for me is, is it's just, it's stability mm-hmm. and, and also trying to like figure out what I like. Cause everyone else in my family and even people around me, like from where I've, uh, where I've lived before anyway, mm-hmm. definitely not now mm-hmm. just work, shit, eat, yeah. Yeah. sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But why? Yeah. But why? Yeah. And that's how I've why always been. I'm like, that? angsty little fuckers, shut up. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be something more fun to do. <laughs> exactly. And I, uh, I've like, I've done a lot of arson when I was a kid because, yeah. well, fire's fun. I've set my mom's backyard on fire. You said arson. I thought you said arts oh, when no. I was a kid. And then you said fire's fun. I was like, how is that art? Oh, arson. <laughs> I wasn't trying to burn shit down. I was trying to play with fire, and right, yeah. there happened to be f- trees around me, and I didn't think of that. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or my dresser would catch on fire. It was Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, the dresser but, and then the house. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how things go. Logical <laughs> conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I thought my fl- my room was uh, fire retarded, but nope. I was fire retarded. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> nice. We'll uh, play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. so... Uh, the the job was always important to me before, even though like stand up is like what I want to do mm-hmm. eventually, like professionally, like I always felt like I couldn't. I'm getting to the point where because of my job, I'm afforded the opportunity to have evenings off and I make fine money that I can go out and, and travel more with comedy mm-hmm. uh, and I'm starting to get out there more. So that was always a component of it to me. I, I didn't ever feel like I could just like, you know cut ties and just go on the road or whatever mm-hmm. but um eventually <laughs> exactly and it's interesting because you know there's a lot of different um perspectives on that where you see people willing to sleep in their car mm-hmm. and and they go about it in that way and that mm-hmm. gives them mm-hmm. uh, a very unique experience mm-hmm. whereas somebody such as yourself mm-hmm. very unique experience i yeah. used to get worried as a child when mm-hmm. it came to writing of any sort mm-hmm. Well, why? Why am I interesting? It makes no fucking sense. Like I, I'm not. Yeah, I look at all these people, and they've they've had these really cool, like overarching stories throughout their life, and a mm-hmm. lot of experiences. And I mean, you even just look at Hunter S. Thompson. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, however, um, that's just me being blind because whatever brought you to now is interesting. And, yeah, and it's all relatable, and that's yeah. what comedy. It's a lot of fun. I don't understand humor at all. And trying to, like, figure it out, it, it, it's fun, especially the relatable aspects, like yeah. that aha moment, you know? Yeah. I tried to, for shock value. That didn't work out too well. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, That's everyone's initial, is like, oh, I go for, you know, go for that creepy jokes or <laughs> come off as a sociopath. People will like me. <laughs> I'll knock you out. <laughs> yeah. Like, hmm. <laughs> oh. No, I, I definitely had a lot of, uh, my first sets were very, like, murder heavy. <laughs> yep. And people were like, oh, what? What kind of show did I walk into? <laughs> um, I, don't, I thought I don't remember where I was going. <laughs> um, have you ever like sat down and thought, what is humorous, or did you just throw shit up on stage and kind of sculpt it from there? I've always, 
from a very young age have always been like a like a storyteller. Like I'd go to school and come back and I'd tell my mom just all these like Ooh. everything that happened in the day because I thought it was like so great. So I've always been like a storyteller, and I remember like. I've always been pretty solitary too, and so I remember like walking around my neighborhood as probably like a twelve-year-old by myself, just walking around and kicking a rock and like telling stories, starting with like, "So this is my life," and then like that tendency to tell stories just kind of turned up, turned into stand-up for me. Uh, I remember when I started, and then all my stuff is story-based and stuff that's happened to me, and just very personal stuff, and not like. Some comics go like abstract and talk about, you know, in general, this is what people experience. And I'm, I tell stuff like this happened to me. And mm-hmm. so that's always been like an important part to me. And I wasn't going to change that. And when I started, other comedians were like, that's not really stand up. Like, do you tell jokes? That was a story. And I was like, well, that's what I got. Mm-hmm. And so initially I would go up to, you know, a four minute open mic with a four minute. It was one four minute story. And they were like, this is the story. This is the setup. Eventually, I'll get to the punchline, <laughs> and then four minutes later, punchline, and people are like, nah. <laughs> yeah. there was so much buildup. Yeah. yeah, and so now I've kind of, <laughs> after doing it for a while, I've gotten to the point where I can like pepper in the stuff along the way to make a story more interesting and funny along the way. But it took me a while to figure that out. Like, how do I like still tell something that means something to me, but also make the audience? enjoy it and follow me the whole time. Oh, that's interesting. That's where I relate to is the storytelling a lot mm-hmm. more as opposed to like set up punchline, set up yeah. punchline. Yeah. It's it's really hard for me to write that way because yeah. my natural form of writing is storytelling. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I would write stories. I was really into like Pokemon and like Digimon. Oh, yeah. Like growing up. Did you like Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, I was never super into Yu-Gi-Oh. We can't talk now. Okay, cool. Kidding. We're no. done. We're done. Cool. I'll leave. <laughs> um... I had some friends were, but I never got into it myself. But like, I remember writing this story and being like, probably like a like a nine year old like drama queen about like writing. The, I wrote like three pages on lined paper with pencil about like this is my time in the world of Digimon and Digimon are digital monsters. And then it was like about me and my neighbor at the time, and we like teleported or whatever happens in Digimon. I don't remember, <laughs> but we like ended up there and we got in a fight. And then like I fought him and I kicked him over my head or something like that. <laughs> and the Digimon came out and we started evolving them or whatever. And I got like three pages in and hit writer's block for the first time in my <laughs> life as a nine-year-old. And I was like, fuck this. And I crumpled it up and I like threw it into my attic. <laughs> so I don't know. It's probably still there yeah. down, down in this house in the attic in California. But <laughs> go in there and recover your lost stories. <laughs> Someone's like three pages. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. What's Digimon? <laughs> was he drunk? <laughs> a drunk nine-year-old. Yeah. That was my Digimon. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> No, <laughs> I actually see my son do bits, and I don't yeah. talk to him about comedy or anything. Yeah. But there's a thing where there's like uh, you know ass wipes, like flushable wet wipes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we ha- I have those, and then <laughs> I have those. Ooh, <laughs> yes, it's a party. <laughs> I used your bathroom earlier. You didn't offer me one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should ask you one moist palette. <laughs> ass wipe. <laughs> um, and there, I also have like Clorox wet wipes, mm-hmm. and the Clorox wet wipes are always underneath the sink, and they sting a little more. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was—he has like he had diarrhea. He, he almost shit himself like me. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> he's taking a shit, and he comes out. And he's like, "Oh, those those wipes—they they, kind of hurt." And <laughs> oh, my no. mom's like, "What?" 
Yeah, they kind of hurt. What kind did you use? Oh, the ones in the yellow container? Oh, those are Clorox wipes. They're bleach. It's like, oh. And so she's like, I'm going to embarrass you. I'll tell people that we see. Yeah. And instead of being like, no, no, he's like, tell him, tell him. Tell him. Yeah. Make me famous, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> tell him about my bleached butthole. Yeah, exactly. That's great. It's funny, man. That's great. I wish they had, like, kids' comedy opportunities. Yeah. Or, I need to take him to an all ages show. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, I don't. Fun. I don't know how you explore comedy as a little kid. I mean, there's like talent shows and stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I feel like there needs to be oh, more yeah. of that. Like the beauty little toddler and tiara thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's intense and, uh, and something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, the, um, I do think there needs to be more of that. And uh, James Fitz is mm-hmm. someone who would fit. Yeah, because he's his way of comedy is really interesting. It, yeah, it, it and it doesn't um it's suitable for children. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But my son, I don't give a fuck. He can say anything. That sounds pretty bad. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, but like in a good way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good way. Well, <laughs> I don't I don't give a fuck in a caring way. <laughs> yeah, no. And I I try to teach him. Um, like a good example is how old are you? Mm-hmm. If I asked you how old are you? Mm-hmm. I don't think you'd get offended. But if I <laughs> asked an old lady, oh, she'd get offended. Yeah. So I let him do that shit. And then I try to <laughs> teach him, don't get your feelings hurt. And, you know, how how do you respond <laughs> so to that? So you encourage him, go ask that old lady how old she is. <laughs> His ass is librarian. And she's like, that's rude. <laughs> Didn't your father tell you not to ask? No, he told me to ask. Yeah. He's like, I'm 75. <laughs> and he's like, Dad, Dad, she was mad. <laughs> it's okay, just don't do it again. <laughs> See, learning experience. Yeah. That's funny. One day he's going to get the shit kicked out of him, but um, I'll be there. <laughs> You'll have started it. <laughs> yes, I'll take pictures. <laughs> now swing, son, swing. <laughs> This is how you defend yourself. <laughs> well, son, you got your ass kicked. <laughs> and I started it. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Speaking of like little kids who do stand-up, there's this... I don't know if I've seen a video of her or just memes, but there's this girl who's like nine years old. And she's got like... she was, I don't know. I saw like several memes. She was famous for a bit. Maybe she's still famous. I don't know what her name is. But she was the funniest fucking person. I don't know if she wrote her jokes or if like a parent wrote her jokes and like from the perspective of a small child. But it was so funny. Like she would get on stage and just like crush. But like so little nine year old girl and she'd be like, man, online dating is hard. Like. (laughs) Every guy I, like, meet ends up going to jail. <laughs> I was like, damn! That's a nine-year-old. That's really, like, just intuitive. Like, yeah. super smart. And it's so funny coming out of those little girls' mouths. <laughs> Everyone I meet goes to jail. <laughs> I don't get it. Is it me? <laughs> it's like, are you a midget or a child? <laughs> that is so good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I like to let... Ch- I, I think children... Uh, can gain a lot from exploring themselves because mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of my insecurities and stuff come from 
shithead assumptions. Like <laughs> I would always, I think you know people are gonna judge you for things, but you know from bombing, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you don't really get that much criticism unless you talk about killing a cat like I did, and <laughs> then you do by veg- for vegans. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've gone real dark a couple of times and definitely turned the audience against me. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> too far, too far. Oh, I'll get off stage now. Sorry. <laughs> I'll run. I'll run off oh, stage. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm going. Go- I'm gone. <laughs> And from when you went to starting to get like uh, featured and mm-hmm. stuff like that, mm-hmm. was that a very intentional transition, or was did it just happen? It was intentional. Um, I'd been doing stand up for a bit, um, so I started with the the whole like once a month show, and then uh, Brett Emerson is a Bellingham comedian, and he'd seen me a couple times on the once a month thing. Oh yeah, so lost my job, mm-hmm. didn't know how to get back into stand up did the once a month thing like one more time. And then Brett Emerson was like, Hey, we got this like weekly open mic out at uh, the green frog. Um, and Bellingham's called Gaffingham and it ran in Bellingham for like four and a half years or something Ooh. like that. Yeah. Every week for like four and a half years. And it was like the bread and butter of the, the Bellingham comedy scene. It was started by, uh, Timmy Riney, uh, up in Bellingham. And so I went out to that and the first couple times I just watched and I felt like it was a very different vibe. The, um, the upfront theater was a theater setting. Everyone has come for a comedy show, uh, very much like Way North. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sitting down. Everyone's focused for the most part, facing the stage. They're there to see a show. And at Gaffingham, it was my first open mic I'd ever been to. And there's people by the bar who are just there to drink. And they're like, what the fuck are these people on stage <laughs> talking for? I just came here to drink and be loud and rowdy with my friends. And so, like, luckily that's far away from the stage. So they're kind of like tuning it out for the most part and every once in a while they'll flare up and get loud and kind of disrupt the show and then the people who were like there to see the open mic were just kind of eh, it's an open mic i'm not super invested so like that was the first time me seeing that and like oh this is a very different it's in a bar it's a very different feeling for me um i was still very awkward and still sheltered at the time hadn't been in a lot of bars (laughs) and i was like ah um so i watched my first couple open mics and then i got up and the first time there even though i'd done decently for my first few times at the theater setting first open mic bombed and i was like what the fuck this is a way different experience and the second time i bombed and i was like what is going on and then i realized it's like the setting there's a lot more comics there who have seen a lot more people do stand up they're more critical and like more observational than like joke laugh out loud they're like (laughs) hmm, interesting, maybe you could spin it this way. And they'll, like, just, like, think about the joke and not give you, like, loud feedback. And I was like, fuck, I'm bombing every time. But then, like, I just kept doing it because I wanted to do it. And so that was my kind of, like, learning curve into, oh, I thought I was decent, and now I super suck. And now I'm, you know, I suck less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is where I'm at now. <laughs> you always know there's always more to learn. Yeah, it's- exactly. And stand up's one of those things that, like, I don't know, not knowing anything about it, I was like, oh, I'm going to be super good, super fast. Also, not because I'm, like, super, like, awkward, and I'll have to overcome that. But once I overcome that, I'll be super good, super fast. And then it's, like, the more you learn, the more you're like, oh, shit, all these people I'm doing it for, like, 10, 20 years. And, you know, they're, they got their own thing going, and I've been doing it for six months or, like, whatever. So I know nothing, but... Yeah, I mean, it's coming along. I've been doing it for just over three years now. I think I passed my three-year mark in 
couple months ago. I don't remember now. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's and, where I'm at now. And when you do your sets, uh, do you review your sets at all? Yeah. Um, so whenever I do, to answer your question that I totally mm-hmm. skirted around, no, transitioning from open mic to featuring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing the Gafangham thing once a week and had been trying out new shit, and then Timmy asked me if I wanted to do the feature at Gafangham, which is open mic, open mic, open mic for like 20 people, mm-hmm. and then someone does like 20 plus minutes at the end, so you can do at least 20 and however long you want, and so that was my first 20 minute set, and brought some friends out, and it went decent. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now like, you kind of hit those like milestones, and I don't play a lot of video games, but I compare it to video games like mm-hmm. leveling up. Oh, yeah. Like at the time, you're like, oh, I'm hot shit. And then you look back at that first feature set, and you're like, that sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like where you're currently at, oh, I'm, I'm way better now. And then another six months down the road, you look back, that sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just like leveling up. N- but um, Not getting caught up in it either. Yeah. 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 And just, you know, keep keep tweaking i try i try every set to be to have a different set list Mm -hmm. and even if i'm telling the same jokes a few times in a row and i try to mix up the jokes too but if i'm telling the same you know the same set a few times in a row i try to mix up the order at least and then as i'm up there on the fly i'll like i finish this joke i'm doing this joke and then i'll see a connection between the two that i'd never Mm -hmm. seen before because i'd never told him in that order and i'm like oh here's a new transition Mm -hmm. but um Okay, answered that question. Yes, now, what did. was the most recent question? The most, or the most recent question is, <laughs> oh. I love tangents. Too, yeah, so. yeah, I'm uh, such a, a wiggler in my conversation. That's exactly how I am. <laughs> <laughs> the next one was, oh, do you do you go over any, your sets after you do? Yeah, um, I think that's super important, just because a lot of, at least for me, and kind of what I'm learning is a lot of. Um, the timing comes down to, well, timing, but it, it's kind of like, I've never surfed, but it feels like, like riding a wave. You have to get that balance and that, like, just that perfect, like rhythm. And so every time I get off stage, like I've done a set, I always audio record like all of my sets. I think I've missed a handful of them, but out of all the sets I've ever done, I've audio recorded pretty much every one of them um and so i I get off stage i do whatever at the end of the show i jump back in my car i'm driving home and i just like listen to the set that i just did on repeat like you know five or ten or however long the drive Mm -hmm. is like pretty much all the way home and i just like break it down and the jokes that landed well i just like focus on like the timing and kind of try to ingrain the timing and the rhythm into my head so the next time i tell that joke it's just you know, just how it was that last time that it killed, so... Oh, okay, so you just... It's almost like sharpening a sword. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, and just keep keep going. Like, yeah, so I always listen to all my stuff. And then it's fun when you've done that to go back to the six months ago when you, you last Ooh. sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then eventually you'll be at the point where right now you think you're doing good, and then you, no, oh, I sucked. <laughs> yep. At least you get a little confidence boost off of it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool, though, to see, like how jokes have changed and how like, cause I tell jokes now that like I told a while back that when I first started telling, they're completely different, mm-hmm. same like premise, but like just telling them over and over and adjusting and like that worked. And that was a new thing I thought of in the moment. And now that's part of the joke now. Mm-hmm. And you get to see like at what point certain lines were added to the joke. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, it wasn't there a month ago. Let's go back two months. 
I wasn't there. Oh, that's that's where I added that part of that joke. So oh, and you can see your process and kind of identify like the eighty twenty of it, like the yeah. what twenty percent of the efforts that resulted in eighty percent of the results, essentially. Yeah. 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 And I get worried because when you're outside of a system, mm-hmm. in a corporate system, mm-hmm. if you don't do well at your job, you get fired, right? Right. And there's very specific guidelines to follow, mm-hmm. and to get promoted. Suck someone's dick, or <laughs> or do everything you're supposed to, right? And, and then you'll get promoted. Very clear, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to be successful, follow the rules. Mm-hmm. If you look at like creative things or other independent things, that's mm-hmm. not like that. It's just here's here's a here's point A and here's point B. Mm-hmm. Some people make it from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Some people. Most people mm-hmm. don't. Zigzag all over the exactly. shit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that that was by chance. But the more that I learn about, you know, metacognition, like, uh, which is how to think about thinking. Right. Like, yeah. like your yeah. learning process and yeah. all. And, and also life. Like uh, when, you know, you get a divorce, uh, yeah. you can't hold your shit together. I've been divorced. And, really? Yeah. What? Yeah. Me too? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Divorce buddies. High five. Oh my gosh. Uh, through the air, we almost didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, but it's and I could see that it's just it's really hard to to deal with life, mm-hmm. and especially when your life is not on the line by not doing that. Because if you walk away from comedy, you still have a paycheck, right? So right, it kind of comforts me knowing that okay, if I try to hold my shit together mm-hmm. at the very least, and I pay attention to the people around me, mm-hmm. then I'm at least not gonna like just burn out essentially mm-hmm. yeah and just enjoy this shit because you're right next time you level up yeah well, all of a sudden you're a lot better but when you level up again you'll realize you're not yeah it's just being present and not yeah. freaking out and yeah that was that was one of and it, was, it went back to a conversation where i was i was this was i don't know a year ago six months ago or something like that and i was listening through a bunch of my sets from a long time ago of a period of time where i thought at the time, I was doing good, and I realized I sucked, and so I posted on Facebook, like, like I think I'm getting worse at comedy. That was, like, the first, like, time I'd, like, kind of reflected, and I was, like, like, it seemed like, I don't know. At the time, I was telling these jokes that I thought I did good, and they were killing it. I guess what had happened was I kept telling those jokes for too long, and I got bored with them. And Like so, a sales job. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so and I, I hadn't been writing new stuff, and this stuff that I was delivering just didn't have that passion because I needed to write new shit, but I hadn't figured that out yet. And so people were like, meh, and I was like, well, like six months ago, these jokes were doing fine, and now they're not. And I was like, am I getting worse at comedy? And a more experienced comedian was like, you just go through levels, man, and you go through phases, and you go through cycles, and like, you'll think you're great, and then you look back and you suck, or you think you're like, what changed? And it's just time and learning <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> just having faith in that learning process yep that's for sure you get there <laughs> yeah you do get there it, that's where um and like jujitsu is another example to where people get caught up mm-hmm. and there's a common thing when you get really good at something mm-hmm. like one position just like if you get really good at one joke mm-hmm. and for fear of failure you refuse to do the things you don't know how to do mm-hmm and then you start falling behind. Mm-hmm. And just like, unlike a job, no one's like, you're going to get fired if you don't continue, if you don't move your shit mm-hmm. and get over this. Yeah. There, it's just like, oh, yep. you, you suck. 
You suck. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you just you can see through it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's exciting as we as technology moves forward mm-hmm. because you're able to be exposed to a lot of people who have been successful mm-hmm. in their given discipline mm-hmm. outside of a corporate structure. Right. And you're like, oh, it can be done. Mm-hmm. And then you see that they're fallible, like, you know, people that you look up to may have committed suicide, do a bunch of drugs, or, and, in their personal lives, they, they don't fucking fart unicorn farts. Yeah, they, yeah. They just do everything like you do in the daytime. Yeah, You know, yeah. maybe more discipline, maybe less, or maybe write more. Right. Or less. Yeah. You know, you just get it done. Yeah. But, yeah. And, um, w- with comedy in relation to your job, yeah. is it something that your primary, what's most important to you is spending as much time as you can on comedy and your job just kind of holds you through that or is the job very important to you? The job is, so back when I was doing retail jobs and I couldn't bring myself to give a shit about it, Mm -hmm. um, I would literally, so I I worked this, um, I worked in a grocery store doing like bagging groceries and running carts and then I moved from that into the bakery and so couple jobs in a row I actually worked in bakeries but I ended up doing I was baking for uh, a big retail grocery store uh, and I'd start work at three in the morning because um, you had to start baking at three in the morning and the store opens at 7 a.m. And you have to have you know all your hot donuts and muffins and bread and all that shit out first thing in the morning when the doors open and all the customers come in and so from 3 a.m. to like 6 a.m. I was by myself every morning for I did this for like a couple of years and I would listen to comedy nonstop and I would just kind of go through the motions of working but I'd also be like thinking about that was the beginnings of my like writing my jokes and I'd like pause like oh I gotta put these muffins aside and I gotta like pull out my phone that's my hands are covered in like frosting (laughs) so my phone got all sticky and the buttons didn't work anymore because it was like the push like the push buttons oh yeah it wasn't even a touch phone at the time yeah and i like like get all them sticky with frosting but that was like the first like jokes i ever wrote down and anything that popped in my head i would stop what i was doing at work and write it down because i was mostly unsupervised but so at the time it was like I, i didn't care about my job and i was trying to get this like comedy thing started that was still years before i ever performed um but then now I have a job that I care about. I actually uh, work at a drug and alcohol recovery center, so oh. it ties into the addiction that we are talking about yeah. earlier. But um, I can focus on work, and I can. it feels more impactful and like I'm making an actual difference in people's lives wow. um, rather than just like shit, selling people shit. Mm-hmm. Also, I liked when I said drug and alcohol, I slurred the word alcohol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Drug and alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, right now the job is is something that I care about. Uh, eventually, I'm gonna make the transition because working with uh, folks who are struggling with addiction can be fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I want to make the transition eventually into just focusing on comedy. But right now, it's something that I'm passionate enough to care about and give a shit about Mm -hmm. and provides me the opportunity to have the evenings off and you know the gas money to go out and do shows yeah so and over time it's been in my experience people pull it off well anyways but i mean there's a variety of ways to pull it off well is when you start running out of time and then your only option is to axe your job essentially i've come ran into that frequently i'm on like Six hours a day right now. Mm-hmm. I want to be less. But 
and, and that's like over time, it, it's just instead of just outright quitting my job and mm-hmm. figuring out how to make money, yeah, I'd rather be forced to like, oh, I only have you know six hours in a day to do this stuff. I need more. Yeah, and money usually follows things like yeah. that. You know. Yeah. But yeah, and um, when you bomb, mm-hmm. is there is there like a specific protocol that you'll follow to when you go back up on stage with the, with that material? Like, do you, I know that there's, like, timing that you look for, mm-hmm. but, well, never mind. Okay. Because okay. I was thinking, like, because <laughs> at any rate, if you listen to your stuff and you deconstruct it, mm-hmm. even if you bomb or not, you're still doing the same thing, which is deconstructing it. You know? Yeah, it, that was terrifying for me kind of when I hit that first, like, plateau of, like, I'm trying a bunch of new jokes, and some of them land, and some of them don't, and I kind of, like, collected the ones that all landed, and that was my, you know, my go-to stuff for a while, and then I was getting bored with that, but I hadn't realized yet, so I was starting to, like, peter out, Mm -hmm. and people were laughing less, and people had seen me do it a lot, and, you know, getting, like, repetitive, and... At that point, I was like, oh, shit, I have to write new material, but then that means coming up with, like, just dropping all that shit mm-hmm. and then coming up with brand new stuff that I don't know how it'll work. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was starting to get comfortable, if I say this, people will laugh. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a good feeling when you know every time you tell this story you're going to get a laugh here, here, and here. And then having to put that aside because you realize you need to do new stuff and not knowing how that'll go. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the first few times I started doing that again, it was so, like, exhilarating to be like, I don't know how this is going to go. Oh, my God, people are laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that That was really cool. It's always really cool when you, you have no idea how a set it like it's just brand new stuff you have no idea how people are going to react and then it's starting to go well and you just kind of you, you start to work on that that momentum and that role and you get the audience going and you can see them like picking up steam and kind of like feeling where you're going and getting on your side and you're like yeah like let's keep it going so like i don't know it's, it's a really cool feeling once you get on a roll to like keep or at least try to keep that momentum going it doesn't always work but yeah <laughs> it's a cool feeling the first time you tell a brand new joke and it's working out and you're like book it works <laughs> yeah you get like a rush from it yeah and exactly it, when you when you're able to get those kinds of laughs and have that uncertainty it's like yes yes it's working <laughs> it's working oh my god they're they're laughing at it i'm a genius <laughs> or you tell the ones that fall flat and you're like oh, i'm an idiot <laughs> what am i doing why did i think this was funny yeah. <laughs> And that level of excitement, that's always what's made performance interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Even in poetry, I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. However, the greatest form of excitement that you'll get is snapping. Which <laughs> that's a very different reaction than laughter. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It's so rad. Once I learned that you could tell stories through comedy, I was like, mm, I'm done. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. If you do bad... Yeah. They just do the same fucking thing. Well, be, actually... So there's like a sarcastic snap and like a positive snap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you worked in the service industry as yeah. like a waiter, yeah, that shit is like haunting. Yeah. I'd have people in fine dining and they snap for me to come for them. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Fetch me my food. <laughs> there was one um, venue that I performed at. Yeah. And I guess all of them were from the service industry. Okay. So they said snapping is not kind. <laughs> so we don't snap here when we like what oh you do. My God. We rub our palms together. Oh my God. 
That's some weird, like, when you're in, like, third grade and you do that, like, illustration about, like, the rain sound building. Did you ever do that? No. Where it's, like... We did, I don't know, we did this in, like, several of my classes growing up. So you start with, like, the rain is, like, a light rain, so all the kids, like, move their hands together like this, and then it, like, picks up a little bit, so kids, like, they're drumming their fingers on the table, and then it's, like, louder rain, so everyone's like this, and then everyone starts, like, clapping. It's supposed to be, like, the downpour of rain and the whole class clapping, but I don't know. Pacific Northwest shit. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder why it That's rains true. so much here. Yeah. <laughs> all, all these kids are rain dancing yeah. in class. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. That's some Pacific Northwest shit. I don't know. I never thought about it. I thought everyone did rain dances in school. I grew up in California, man. It's dry there. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you teach us. (laughs) That's awesome. Wait, how do we get on there? I was was thinking about... You'd said uh, that you've been divorced. I've also been divorced. Oh, yes. Explain this to me. (laughs) Bible school... Yeah, I had a weird life, man. I like this. <laughs> um, got out of Bible college, came back, started bagging groceries. Uh, yeah, I was like 20 <laughs> or something like that. And like, yeah, 19, 20, somewhere in there. I met this girl and was just of the mindset that like, if I'm going to sleep with a girl, I need to marry her because that's what you're supposed to do. So oh. we like started like fooling around and like whatever. And then I was like, oh, I'll like I'll marry her and that'll make my mom happy. So we like we like moved like I met this girl and like two weeks later we like moved in and then like I decided I was gonna marry her like a month after that and like I didn't know her and we're but like I'm twenty twenty one and she's like nineteen or twenty at the time and so like. I was like, oh, I'll marry her, and then I'll make my mom happy. And I hadn't told my mom that we'd moved in together. And again, my mom's very conservative, very religious. And I was like just, you know, young and out on my own for the first little bit of my life. And so I'm living with this girl for a few weeks, and it's my mom's birthday. And so I was supposedly living with a couple of guy friends up in Linden, but I was actually living with a girl for like a month or whatever down here in Bellingham or over in Bellingham. And uh, so I like somehow snuck over to like wherever we were having my mom's birthday dinner out at this restaurant and without her knowing that I didn't come from the guy's house up in Linden. And uh, then we have the birthday dinner and then she's like, all right, well, I guess I'll like take you back to the guy's house. And I was like, okay, mom, I got to tell you something. I'm actually living with this girl. And she was just like, Fists on the table, all the dishes jumped, and she's like, you what? And I was like, ah, and she caused this huge scene, and my parents had been divorced for like a couple of years at the time, and my dad had come to my mom's birthday as like a goodwill thing, and he brought her this big bouquet of flowers for her birthday, um, he was already, I think, already married to someone else at the time, but he, he brought these flowers and he's like, oh, we had a nice birthday. And then I said that and I ruined it all. And she's like, makes all the dishes jump. And then she went out in the parking lot and took the flowers and beat them against the side of the car, like a baseball <laughs> bat. So just pedals are flying everywhere. And she's like, you'll find your own way home to that home wrecker. Not a home wrecker. Cause I'm not wrecking anyone's home, but like, I can't believe you're living with a girl. And I'm like, oh shit. So like my dad drove me home or, or back to the place or whatever. And then I was like, I gotta get married married and that'll make everything better so we got married like we'd known each other for like three months or whatever (laughs) i got married because that was what you do and uh 
It lasted, I think, like 11 months. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like we weren't compatible at all. And then she cheated on me. Oh, and no. like, And I was just like, this isn't working, <laughs> obviously. Yes. And so, yeah, so we, we got divorced. So, yeah, it was like 11 months. I think like once everything was said and done, it was like 12 or 13 months or whatever. Damn. Yeah. At least you were a bagger. She didn't take your money. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so that was my first marriage. <laughs> I'm married again, though. So Are you really? Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks. That's awesome. This man. one's better. Yeah, I <laughs> bet that better. last one informed your next <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, let's do things a lot different. But yeah. Yeah, I'm married again. We've been married for just over four years now. Four years? Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, man. man. Wow. Where'd you guys meet? Uh, she was actually my first girlfriend. What? That's a weird story. So, um, my current wife, my first girlfriend back in eighth grade, we lived on the same street up in Linden. She was one of my neighbors and we hung out after school. She actually went to a different school. So my school got out like an hour before her school got out. I went to the public school and she went to the Christian school. And, uh, so my school got out. I'd come home, like hang out or whatever, and then her bus would like come down the street, and I'd be like, like waiting by the mailbox, and she'd get off the bus and like, what's up? <laughs> and then she was like, oh, I have to drop off my backpack, so she'd go in and drop off her stuff, and then I'd like come like ten minutes later and like knock on the door, and her mom would answer, which is now my mother-in-law, but <laughs> she she would answer, and I'd be like, hey, can Ashley come out to play? That was my big line back in the day <laughs> in the eighth grade, and so you know we just hang out by the mailbox, and then. She, my neighbor friend was like, you should ask her out. Like you're obviously into her. You should ask her out. So I've always been socially awkward. And I was like, no, you go out with me. Like they like threw up on our shoes basically. And she was like, sure. So that meant we like held hands for a month out by Aww. the mailbox. It was sweet. And then she broke up with me because it wasn't going anywhere, holding hands by the mailbox. Yeah. And she was, she was into this like. Well, we were in eighth grade. She was into like a ninth grader or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we broke up and I was crushed and then life happened and I got married and divorced. And then it's like 10 years after that. And we ran into each other at a bar, actually, <laughs> at uh, Rumors is a gay bar. Mm -hmm. I was my gay buddy's wingman for the night or whatever. He invited me out. And I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Let's go to this gay bar. Gay bars are fun. Yeah. <laughs> and we go out and she was there and I saw her from across the gay bar <laughs> and I recognized her right away. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's Ashley. So I went over. She didn't recognize me at first. <laughs> and we started talking and we were just like in the same spot with our lives. And we started talking and we started just like hanging out and like dating. And yeah, we also got married relatively quick, but way less quick. And we were way more on the same page. Yeah, you knew the to first expect. one yeah yeah, and, I yeah. Understand. and we just like had grown up in similar environments and kids on the same street and we'd reconnected Dude. briefly once in high school and then it was after high school and after all that and we we're like yeah that's awesome man Good yeah for you. thanks wow <laughs> she's pretty rad yeah I bet, man <laughs> sounds like it yeah <laughs> yeah i was um i got divorced when i was 17 yeah and wait <laughs> You got divorced at 17? When did you get married? No, I got divorced when I was 18. Okay. I got married, married when I was, yeah, 16, 17. Yeah. Right around there. I did it for emancipation because you can't be like legally emancipated <laughs> okay. unless you're married. And you, wow. This is, this is going to be trashy. You can't get food stamps unless <laughs> you're <laughs> emancipated. This is a delightful story. <laughs> yep. So I wanted to get food stamps with my baby mama. So, <laughs> Like you do. That's yeah. The, yeah. Yep. And, um... So I got married. Yeah. Still living with my mom. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And then, um, oh yeah, and we had to move out. It was the only way I could move out because I couldn't be on because I couldn't be on the lease. She's like twenty one. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to be on the lease. And then that happened. And oh fuck, that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I condone marriages. Yeah. Not that one. Not that one. No. <laughs> no yeah. Not that yeah. 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 That makes sense. Not, not a necessity, like just like yourself. But yeah. um, I was fortunate enough to be amicable after the fact. Mm-hmm. Because having a kid with somebody, you're kind of like attached at the hip for the rest of your right. life. Yeah. And yep. yeah. So it's, it's been interesting because the whole uh, addiction thing. Yeah. That's something that I, I deal with with her a lot. Yeah. And gotcha. It's, yeah. It's an interesting thing when you like assess, you know, what your kids should be around and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be some tough decisions. Yes, it is. Very yeah. tough decisions. Right. Yep. Damn. But yeah. Yeah. It's in. It's it's crazy. Yeah. But my son will be a good comedian. If he yeah. Starts to be. Fuck. <laughs> How old's your son? He's six. Nice. Yeah. He turned six in January. Yeah. And I got him full time for school. So yeah. It's a lot of fun because when when he goes to school, um, I don't know. I kind of geek out over like thought processes and stuff like that. So yeah. when he comes home, we'll like be able to go over all of his schoolwork and. Um, it's it's just interesting being somebody being a part of somebody's learning process. And I right. started teaching kids jujitsu. Oh shoot! Um, yeah. yeah, and so it's it's just a really cool opportunity to get to learn more about that. Yeah. Um, and with addiction, I know I'm taking you off on like whole other lane. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but with addiction, I always I find it interesting because like a kid doesn't mean to hit you, a kid doesn't mean to bite you. Mm-hmm. However, they're they're unable. Or they're overwhelmed by their emotions, you know? Right. And it's not, it doesn't make it excusable, though. Right. That's the dilemma. And that's the same that I experience people with, like, addiction stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, if they steal your stuff, they didn't steal your stuff. Mm-hmm. They stole. They broke their own morals. Because right. Because of whatever they're going through. Right. And, like, I think it's very valuable to have people be a, at least witness that instead mm-hmm. of sheltering it. Because mm-hmm. um, I was kind of sheltered from my dad and that that same sense that you were, but with everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I didn't, I'm like, well, should I shelter him from it and be like, you know, very violent, like you can't see your mom or should I teach you how to cope with this? Because sometimes people are shitty. Yeah. And sometimes people struggle like you do and like I do. Yeah. And Damn. So, yeah, it's, it's going to ride. And I've had to learn to love my son's mother <laughs> while asserting that we're not fucking Right. Like, it's, yeah. It's weird because like yeah, she's even came, interesting relationship dynamic. Yeah. He's still a part of my life, and I still like we're still like co-parenting. Mm-hmm. Just we're not in that way yep. together. Yeah. And when you have any issues, it's like you, I've met a lot of people who are in a co-parenting situation, and they mm-hmm. be like, "Ah, oh, fuck that person, grind them to the ground," and it's mm-hmm. very difficult for my own self. Um, be like, oh no, this person's really hurting. It's they're not trying to be in this position. Right. Yeah. How can I support them while setting limits and shit yeah. like that? Damn. But yeah, so but somehow yeah. I'm gonna have to make that into comedy, but <laughs> <laughs> I work there. Yeah, I <coughs> I wanted I was kinda like thinking about, you know, really taking that step into doing an open mic for mm-hmm. the first time as I was like going through my first marriage and then getting divorced and I actually decided to postpone ever starting comedy because at the time I've always like, it sounds like you do, Mm -hmm. you're a writer. You've always been a writer. You've always, you know, written down your thoughts and 
At least that's what it sounds like. And, I, and mm-hmm. I've always done the same thing. And so as I was going through a divorce, I was like jotting down all my thoughts. And then I was like, and I should, I've always, I've wanted to do stand up for a while now. I should get out there and do stand up. And then I was like looking at my thoughts and I was like, this is all dark, mad, angry <laughs> stuff. And I don't want to put that out in the world. And like that, that won't go well. That yeah. won't be funny. That won't be positive. Like that's not good. So I just like, just put the brakes on that for like a couple more years, got more stable in my life situation, got remarried, uh, and then was at a point where I was like, you know what, this is this is a better outlook on life and I'm comfortable putting this outlook out into the world as opposed to like everything sucks. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's where I've had to learn how to tell a story because the story that I had about accidentally killing a cat <laughs> I was just like, look, I eviscerated a cat and watched it run out of my house bleeding. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's that. Yeah, exactly. Do with that information what you will. Yep. <laughs> By the way, I love cats. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you, So you mentioned that you like to write a lot. Yeah. Do you have a specific um, writing like schedule or protocol that you try to follow? I don't. Um, I try to write... And when I say write, it's like pen down an idea that's like a couple sentences long. But I try to like keep in the mindset all the time of keeping my eyes open um, because a lot of my comedy is stories and things that have happened to me or observational. So even if it's not, you know, a conversation or event that happened, it's something that I saw or something that I witnessed. So even when I'm, you know, walking around, I try to keep my eyes open and try to keep engaged so that something funny happening over here, I don't miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I do see something funny or, you know, two people having a conversation that I think is hilarious, I'll be like, oh, and I pull out my phone and I write it down or I pull out a piece of paper or a sticky note or whatever and I write it down. So I've always, the last, I don't know, like eight years now, whenever something entertains me mm-hmm. in life, I write it down. And mm-hmm. then, so it's usually a couple things a day or sometimes it's a few things a week. It really just kind of ebbs and flows. You and, don't pressure yourself essentially. Yeah, no, I don't pressure myself to to stick to uh, a writing schedule, but I, I try to keep in the mindset of always be observing so that when something funny happens, I catch it mm-hmm. and then I can get the idea down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I'm trying to work on that myself, whereas like frequently writing, because I've found that even if I try to say, oh, that was funny. I'm going to go and write that down tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then you forget. Yep. Or you forget why it was funny if you don't write enough detail. Mm-hmm. Or like, this is a weird thing about me, but I I dream comedically. Like I'll have like funny dreams or whatever. Or at least in the moment I think they're funny. Mm-hmm. And then I will – so me and my wife will be laying in bed and I will just wake up like – or I don't even wake up. I just start laughing in my sleep. And I'm like, bah! This is a maniacal loud laugh, and it scares the shit out of her. Just, what? She'll wake me up, and I'm like, why'd you wake me up? And she's like, you were cackling like a crazy person. I'm like, oh, sorry. And then she's like, what are you dreaming about? And I'll like, start telling her. I'm like, that's not funny at all. <laughs> but like, I, this happened a couple months ago. I don't remember if I woke up laughing loud like that, but I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was just like, oh, man, I just dreamed the funniest thing. This will be the best joke. I'm definitely going to tell this on stage. Where's my phone? I pull up my phone. I write it down. I'm like, this is perfect. I just had the best dream ever. That's going to be my next closing joke. That's awesome. Went back to sleep. Woke up the next morning. Totally forgotten about it. A couple of days went by, and I pulled up my phone. I was looking at my notes, 
and I found it. I found that I had written a note at four in the morning or whatever. And I was like, oh, here's that joke. This is going to be great. And I pulled it out and it said, chicken in the house, chigga, chigga. You know what I mean? And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I have no idea. Chicken in the house, chigga, chigga. You know what I mean? That's not my new closer. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I wish it was. At the, at the time, it was gold. <laughs> <laughs> I do that when I, I do like voice recordings when I drive back and forth between Idaho I'd go every other weekend mm-hmm. and I would drive there a lot of driving and back yeah it was a lot how of long a drive. drive is that it's uh well six and a half hours seven hours one way yeah. so like 14 hours yeah. trip. Mm-hmm. and yeah I bought my car in like 2013 with like 30,000 miles on it now it has 155,000 but yeah I would come back That's like a half a million miles yep <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I'm not good at math. Yeah. <laughs> math professor. <laughs> My glasses, that's a half a million miles. <laughs> and I'd come back, like, delirious. I'd pull over if I was right. hitting the drunk bumps. But <laughs> yeah. uh, i do voice recordings. Mm-hmm. And, dude, when you listen to, like... <laughs> the <laughs> shit that comes out of your mouth yeah. when you're on autopilot like that? Yeah. yeah. I've done that before. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, just making sense. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like I'm like talking like to three people or something. Or yeah. like I'm like rawr, rawr, like mumbling out yeah. of nowhere. I'm like fuck. <laughs> Pat Nozzle has a bit about that. How he talk he's like, Yeah, I'm driving around. He's talking about like the NSA bugging his car <laughs> and he's like, If they've ever bugged my car, like I am the thing the entertainment they put on at their like office Christmas parties <laughs> at the FBI or the NSA or whatever. He's like, Cause like the shit comes out of my mouth, I'm driving along, I'm like tacos oh it's a pretty cat or like whatever it's like the as you're like because you're driving along and stuff's just passing you and it just keeps changing your your mindset and then just keep linking ideas and you're like well now i'm a crazy person (laughs) is there any asks that you'd have for the or that yeah for the audience or anything any upcoming like events or projects that you have working on um, yeah, I'm doing a couple of things, uh, coming up. I'm doing a, uh, the Gateway Show Ooh. in Bellingham this weekend. I believe you can still get tickets. It's at the Upfront Theater on, uh, April 8th. I don't know when this podcast comes out. It'll come out <laughs> before April 8th. Well, it will now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the Gateway Show is uh, put on by Billy Anderson. It's up and down the West Coast, and it's Ooh. a super rad show if you ever get a chance to. They do it in like Seattle and Portland and L.A. and all over the fucking place. But um, I've been on the Portland one and the Bellingham one a couple of times. But um, comedians go up. There's like four comics on the show. They go up. Each of them does a seven-minute sober set. Then they go back. They get super fucking high, like as high as you can get. Come back and attempt to do another set. And last time I did it, a couple of weeks ago down in Portland, I was just like falling apart. <laughs> I don't smoke all that often. And I was just like – I was melting on stage and <laughs> leaning over the stool and like holding the mic like upside down and getting distracted by the stage lights and got like a minute into a story and then couldn't remember what I was saying. <laughs> and the audience is like helping me along. Like, no, keep going. This is what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys are listening. But – so I got that coming up uh, this weekend. Um Doing a show in Coopville on the 13th, Ooh. put on by Kyla Guerrero. Uh, she's a local comedian. I've yet to go to that one. Yeah, I'm going go. to that. 
you. That'll be exciting. Should be good. I think my car is already full. Otherwise, I'd invite yeah, you to nah, tag along fine, with me. Um, I'm producing my first show at uh, Cosmic Games on the 14th of April. Uh, Cosmic Games is a uh, Bellingham nerd shop. They, you know, Magic the Gathering and whatever board games and stuff. But uh, they used to be a comic book store, and then there was a fire, and now they're a game store. Uh, <laughs> they slightly changed their angle after the fire, but uh, we've been doing shows there for a bit, and then I took over for this one. I'm trying to change up the feeling of it a bit. Um, it was more of a Bellingham comedy showcase, so comedians were doing like 10 minutes apiece, and then someone did like 20 minutes at the end, and I'm just trying to like change the show in a different direction comedians doing like five minutes a piece and just getting as many people in the doors as we can also i talked to the owners and we're gonna be able to byob in a closed comic book or game store so um yeah we're bringing alcohol into the mix for the first time because it's technically a private party (laughs) wait is there byoy or w bring your own weed uh, smoke it outside. Yes, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't want any fires to happen. Yeah, not not another one. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I got. I mean, I got a bunch of shit coming up. I don't know how much oh, you want cool. me to talk about that. Yeah, but I'll throw them down. Uh, do you have a, a website or anything like that? Or I'll just throw links uh, yeah, in I got like a little a postery thing that I just made, and Ooh. uh, yeah, you can throw people at my Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. All right. I don't have a quote-unquote website yet but yeah. it's coming all right my schedule's filling up enough to i'm getting the point where i need a website Let's at see. this point so. uh, see i like that to where the point where you feel like oh yeah i have to have yeah this. now it's uh, I, oh i got a lot of shit going on in the next couple of months i should find a better way to distribute that information <laughs> yeah exactly oh i'll keep leaks links down in the show notes and stuff like Sweet. that so that'll be perfect yeah and it's your first time producing a show yeah, um, and producing just means I'm the guy putting the show on. Oh, um, cool. So yeah, I've never done that before. I've I've shown up for other people's shows, and basically I got this was this was an established show in Bellingham, uh, and then Brett Emerson um, basically wanted to move on from the show, and I was like, I want the show to continue because it's I think a good opportunity, but I do want to make some changes. And he's mm-hmm. like, Here's the reins, do with it what you want to do. So. Um, kind of going in a different direction than he'd been going, but uh, mm-hmm. just hoping to kind of build in uh, a regular audience and make it a regular thing. So yeah, it'll be nice, more stage time up in Bellingham too. Yeah, 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 for sure. I can't wait for that. Yeah, sweet. Well, thank you very much, Brady. Yeah, thank you. All right, breakfast actually. Really? Yeah. That... I got I got poor uh, nutritional skills. Oh <laughs> yes, I know exactly how that. Anyone who had any addiction issues or even recreational use substances? No, I mean. <laughs> Growing up, my mom, my dad had a six-pack of beer in the house occasionally, like a couple times a year. And then my mom has this crazy story that she has told to me for like 15 years. And the story is this one time she had a beer. That's the story. And like, so that's my mom's like drinking experience. One time I had a beer and it was awesome. (laughs) But never continued to drink. So other than... Very minor alcohol use. Um, I did not have any previous experience with seeing substances or substance use. Um, and now it's just like I'll be sitting at my computer and someone is 15 feet away from me trying to make coffee while on meth. And they're just like <laughs> – they're rapping about the coffee and they're like rain manning it up. And they're like, oh, I got to make the coffee. You put the thing in the thing. And then they're like – and I'm like, whoa, this is great. But it's like it's – like, 
all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, not cool. It's it's yeah. eye opening, I yeah, guess is the word. Yeah, it's very interesting and very eye opening. And uh, yeah, I mean, you do what you can do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, it can it can be rough sometimes, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I do some podcasts with the homeless. Um, yeah. And you experience a very very similar thing because yeah. you like have a conversation, and especially yeah. when they're high as shit. Yeah. It's better than drunk, though, I would say. Yeah, There's yeah. With a drunk person does not make any sense. No. <laughs> it's not even funny. <laughs> it's just sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got a uh, a co-occurring disorders program, which means the folks are both substance abuse uh, and then also mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And then, so yeah, that can get extra, That's what I see extra tricky. Yeah. When I do Especially because of the deinstitutionalized, uh, not movement, but um, thing that Reagan uh, initiated. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really fucked a lot of people. Yeah. And my mom works in the mental health industry. Yeah. uh, With people who are developmentally delayed and Mm -hmm. uh, psychotic as well, like dual diagnosis. Yeah, yep. And it's just like, you legally, like, her scenario is, with the state of Washington, uh, you legally cannot tell them no. No, in what context? In, um, like, if they want candy, right? If they have their social, like, their uh, disability money and they want to allocate it towards candy. Really? Yes. I guess it's their funds. They can do whatever they want. It it is. Interesting. The way that it falls with them because they're not um, being, they're being assisted Mm -hmm. and supported in their living status, right? And and so if they were to do something like, uh, I, I guess I should back that up. As an employee, um, their responsibility is is to be able to keep their house clean, make sure that their meals are taken care of, and then if they need help with like uh, wiping or anything like that, to help them. Right. But anything outside of that behavior, or otherwise, mm-hmm. they're not allowed to uh, intervene or that. or change behavior. There's no resource for that either. Oh. Yeah. So, like, and if you tell them that, like, uh, there's someone who is 250, 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And like they have very serious health issues, mm-hmm. you, you can't advise them on how they eat. Damn. That's up to their parents, which they don't live with. Yeah. Or no one if they don't have the parents. Oh. Especially man. there's even other people who are like psychotic who yeah. hit people, for instance, and you can't. There's no recourse there at all. Like not saying that you that you should like punish someone who's psychotic who hit someone because they had a mental break. Right. But I, there's just nothing that can be done. It's just okay. In in that situation, there's got to be protocol to protect the like employee though. They have a safe room. Oh. Which is interesting for the employee. Interesting. And if they like throw objects, uh, right? Where they yeah. Where to damage their personal property. Yeah. That's their personal property. That's you can't intervene. Really. Yes, which is weird. And it, that's so super weird. In the scenario where my mom would work at like a place that did assist individuals who were delayed mm-hmm. um, in a private setting and so they, they it wasn't just the um, the people it wasn't state sponsored help mm-hmm. yeah um, they had they were able to do life skills and right. were able to experiment with like well how can we make them functioning members of society? yeah or, or uh, how can we make that or give them a life to where their only options aren't just like eat and sleep mm-hmm. I mean how right. can you make healthy choices yeah the only pleasure that you have is eating mm-hmm. and sleeping. Yeah. And um, so there was a little more intervention that was allowed there. However, right. when you're like, locked, and it's like, 
I even see this with the homeless and mm-hmm. people who um, would feed the homeless, for instance. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, your hands are tied because you want to do these things. However, there might be a lot of red tape or there isn't yeah. a, pri- or a private nonprofit that is doing those things. Right? Yeah. That's, but I like it here in Bellingham, Seattle in particular, mm-hmm. because due to maybe excess funding or just uh, progressive thinking, mm-hmm. um, people are coming up with very interesting yeah. ideas for that. What was interesting to me is that so people who don't have any idea of uh, getting back onto how your how you your experience um, getting to know people who are on a variety of substances, um, some people would assume the worst. Were before meeting people like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're just drug addicts. They're just you know yeah. pieces of shit. Right. Um, did you have any of that going into it beforehand? No. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I try to be be chill, and so going into it, I wanted to be, you know, open-minded, understanding. I didn't have any like judgment just because I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what that's what that's like at all. So I'm just gonna approach it. We, I, I like stories, obviously, and telling stories and hearing stories, and so just like hearing people's stories and where they're coming from, and you just have to like empathize. It's like, yeah, I see why you do drugs because your childhood was shitty and makes sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have any uh any option for gratification or anything mm-hmm. the quickest mm-hmm. sense of gratification i know it's very different but mm-hmm. that's one that i can relate to i suppose mm-hmm. the quickest feeling of gratification is to reach right whether it be food or mm-hmm. you know um it'd be destructive behavior of any mm-hmm. or escape from just whatever emotional or physical pain mm-hmm. so I, it's it's not even about getting high it's just about escaping for a while <laughs> yeah and you get caught up in that whole like uh the having and the not having. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I look at my uh, sister's experience, right? My dad's is similar. My dad, like, he's in his 50s and been doing this shit whole throughout the entire adulthood. I don't mm-hmm. know how that's worked for him. He's like homeless, though. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's slightly functioning. But you see that it's uh, that having and not having. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have. Mm-hmm. Your whole life is focused around this thing of, like, I need to get it, I need to get it. And then mm-hmm. you have it. And then you can ride that train for a while, and it's just a cycle. But I mean, and I don't want to trivialize it, but I've been in those cycles with relationships with um, cigarettes in a diff- slightly different sense, mm-hmm. but where it made me feel good, and then it made me feel bad, mm-hmm. and then I went back to it to make me feel good again. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that shit's those little things that are meaningless in comparison to like amphetamines or heroin. Mm-hmm. It's hard. So yeah. that, damn man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird for me working in a drug and alcohol recovery center during the day and then going out and hanging out at bars and, uh, you know, doing pot shows or whatever as a comedian at night. And then you kind of, like, come back and, like, it made me, like, realize, like, it's like, yeah, I, I drink a lot and, and I, I will use drinking as stress relief or as a coping mechanism sometime. And then I had to, like, talk with my counselors, like, is this, do I have a problem? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking at this person's assessment and I drink more than they do and they don't use any other drugs and they're here for drinking and I drink, I can out drink them. Like, do I have a problem? And, and so we had to have, like, that conversation. And it's like, well, some of that meets criteria, but, but also, like, it's just, you know, how like i pointed out that i was like i like to drink alone i i I will i will go out and i'll have a beer at a show or whatever Uh, i usually don't uh drink before my sets though because i like to be sharp and quick and 
clear-minded, yeah. Um, so I like to be clear-headed on stage. But um, most of my drinking is done by myself. Like, my wife's not even home. I don't have anything to do for the day. I'm going to drink by myself. And they're like, well, that's, that's concerning. And I was like, but my reason is um, just because I'm – you know, uh, I like being a recluse, which could be a negative thing, but also I do it when I have nothing else planned for the day. I'm not going to go anywhere. I don't want to go out and drink too much and then have to figure out rides and stuff. So I'm being proactive and thinking ahead to be like, yeah, I'm just going to get drunk and then sit on my couch. Yeah. Like, And they're like, okay, well, that's that's a positive thing because you're planning ahead and avoiding, you know, those consequences. So it's it's a bit of both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's where I think we have give and takes because I wrestled with that. I went from, like, doing all sorts of drugs and then uh, my son was born and I was sober aside from, like, cigarettes and coffee, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, for four years. And I'm like, God, especially with my son's mother's uh, issues. I'm like, God, look at all these people with, you know, addicts. And I started resenting people mm -hmm. and, like, looking down on people in that sense, which became really destructive in its own way mm -hmm. and then i reconciled with that and smoked a bunch of weed when i moved here and i'm like <laughs> well no because it's not even like alcoholic i've been drinking in i don't know five six seven years now damn and i used to be though where it's like i haven't drinking in this amount of time now it's just like oh, i'm just not interested i just don't drink yeah yeah, and yeah. i would be like well b before comedy because poetry is rarely performed in bars um <laughs> <laughs> it's usually in libraries. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, fucking people go to the bar every week and waste their time. And then I got out of that, and I'm like, no, oh, just people, man. Yeah. It's just people, because you, I've met people who did it with relationships, yeah. uh, drama and stuff, all they talked about was just destructive, yeah. weird shit all the time. Yeah. And like, uh, food, the same way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can't judge anyone because I got my own addictions and my own struggles. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's it's a different substance or it's, you know, gambling or whatever it is. But I got my own shit, so I'm in no place to judge yeah, anyone. I can't you, but, yeah, exactly. And, um, what was it? And that's the thing that I find interesting because when I went back to like weed, mm -hmm. I don't want to smoke almost every day. Like, mm -hmm. I was worried of going right back into that because I used to just smoke weed and take muscle relaxers. Mm -hmm. It's weird. I, mean, I just want to be awake. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't have any outlets. I was uh, sheltered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a different sense, I <laughs> yeah. guess. And uh, what, having those things and then smoking weed, I, I was looking at it and doing doing some reading, and it was interesting the relationship between, uh, as opposed to looking at frequency. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not a person to talk about this, but I'm going to. Um, frequency wasn't the depending factor on addiction. More. If you wanted to get high today or drunk, yeah, and you had to go and pay your bills, right? yeah, are you going to spend your bill money on that because you need to get high, right? Or are you going to get higher drunk anyway and then drive and do all your shit, mm -hmm. even though you shouldn't? Yeah, because and that was kind of that's kind of what I came to. Is like, yeah, I can drink a lot and I can go through a lot of alcohol and get fucked up, but I'm only going to do that if I've taken care of all my other shit first and don't have anything to do for a day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's like if my son, and he's eating all his fucking candy, and he loses all of his teeth, and he doesn't brush any of it, <laughs> it's like, man, you got a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But otherwise, yeah, yeah you eat all your fucking candy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you very much, Brady. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you, folks, for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, or if you didn't, please rate, review, and share the fuck out of it. You love it? Share it for your friends. You hate it? Oh, share it to your friends. <laughs>
And remember, go and check out Brady's upcoming shows, and I'll link to them in the show notes. I got some exciting shit planned for you guys from um, a metacognition education specialist for next week. Essentially, that's teaching you how to think about thinking. And Ben Michelson. He's an author of uh, several children's books, including uh, Touching Spirit Bear and Rescue Josh McGuire. Got some crazy stuff coming up for you guys. Woo! That was a silly podcast. I like those. I like kind of relaxing back and just, I don't know, riding with the flow. <laughs> Bible college, that was that was pretty exciting. See, I've always had, um, so I was very presumptive. I had some negative assumptions about people who were into religion. However, I forgot that people are fucking people. That nobody's really special. We're just kind of... We have a different skin, whether that's in religion or that's coming from like, uh, you know, like Mexican culture, Chinese culture, um, or any of these backgrounds, even someone who's just football athlete, like they have the similar, very similar experiences and desires and fears. However, it's just dressed up with a tiny bit of difference on the surface. There's people, man. And. <laughs> Brady's uh, stories, his experiences, and his kindness was another reminder in that. Hell, I realized that I really enjoyed this guy as a pastor. I used to, and he had a wild background, but he's just cool as fuck, man. He doesn't proselytize or anything of that nature. Yeah, it's, I just love this life, man. And thank you guys for listening and supporting the show. It's been a blast. Well, till next week. Bye.